Vyasa and this is Book by Book Bible Study. Uh, on this episode we are going to be looking at Galatians chapter 2. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that as you lead us into your word, you teach us from your heart, you open our hearts to your wisdom, you show us the places that need to change and you help us to immediately go to work to put those changes in place. That we may grow to be more like you and we may bear the fruits that are meant unto righteousness and your nature is revealed in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians chapter 2. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Paul is still speaking. So in case you missed episode 1, you really should go back and listen to episode 1. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and Titus, and Titus came along too. Remember, in chapter 1, he was telling us that after Jesus appeared to him and he got saved, he did not immediately go to Jerusalem. He waited three years before he went to Jerusalem. And then he met with a few of the apostles and then he went to the other provinces right he didn't go back to jerusalem until 14 years later now but this time as he was going he went with barnabas he went to titus okay so verse 2 i went there because god revealed to me that i should go while i was there i met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, even though he was a Gentile. Now, um, there is this part we have read does not seem very significant at first glance but as i'm reading it again i realized that we talk a lot about how when god sends you somewhere you need to go you need to do it how he says you should do it you need to lean into his instructions you need to you know follow his template but we don't talk a lot about how a part of us the part that craves companionship and acceptance and validation which is which are very valid human emotions human feelings that part will always question if we are doing the right thing because we are on a seemingly lonely journey now we know in the part of us in the part of us that knows things in our minds in the depths of our hearts we know that if we are walking in obedience and doing the things god said we should do then we are fine but oftentimes especially if you are blazing a trail that no other person has been on before or at least like maybe somebody in your immediate circle somebody you can see somebody you can relate with and compare notes with if you are on that journey if it looks like you're on that journey alone a part of you will always question whether you are really doing it and I think that was a part of Paul that was shown up in this place. 
when you know this is 17 years after his conversion this is 17 years after he first met jesus he has been doing things the way jesus said he should do it but he was still eager to find out whether he, he was really on the right path and so i would say this do not let validation take you out of your assignment because for example if you had gone to jerusalem to go and seek validation from the apostles he would not have had the time to do all the things he was doing all the provinces that he visited and it is because he visited those provinces at the time establishing a relationship with them preaching the gospel of christ introducing them to jesus baptizing them with the holy spirit setting that doctrine in place it's because he did all of that that he now had the basis to be writing letters to them even after he had been jailed if he had not laid that foundation if uh, by the time the roman government was the conspiracy of the jews by the time that thing landed him in jail who is he going to be writing letters to even if he writes letters they'll look at the letter and be like who is this person nobody knows do you understand so you have to do the things that god said you should do the things that god says you should do the things god will say you should do you have to do those things he's waiting for you in your obedience to show you the next step I will explain that further soon. But let's go back to the point that we were making. Now, it is important to be doing the things you say you should do, right? But at the same time, if it comes to the point where you find yourself yearning for validation, what I always tell the people that I mentor and I work with is that they should ask God to show them the confirmation they need god knows who to send or where to send you it's one of the two it's either he sends you somewhere or he sends somebody to you to confirm or validate that thing that he has said to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses a word is established so god does not have um, hesitations or limitations to confirming his word to you no he doesn't have a problem with it but the thing is don't chase validation against your assignment you stay in the place of assignment and it will lead you into the validation and the confirmation that your heart needs and it is important to do that because if you if you are looking for validation from somebody that doesn't even understand your assignment they will just look at it like one foolish idea and treat it like trash it and then you you no longer have the heart or the zeal to do what you're supposed to do now i'm just gonna crack a joke you see the cock that is crowing in the background um, on days i'm not recording i don't hear that cock i don't but on days i decide to record it's always crowing so today i've decided that i'm going to keep recording while i think of ways to um i would have said think of ways to land it in a pot but it's not mine so to land it in a pot to be stealing and on the other hand um, when my siblings were learning how to kill chickens I decided that I, I, I was going to fall in love with frozen chickens so here we are enjoying the sound of the cocks in the background um, as we study scriptures I really hope it does not distract you but I wanted to crack that joke alright let's get back to scriptures haha <laughs> uh, where were we we were talking about how we need to do the things that God said we should do and not abandon our assignment in search of validation another thing is that even when you encounter somebody 
maybe when especially if you're not expecting it if you do encounter a person and it seems like they're validating you validating your work you have to be conscious to also gauge who it is because another way the devil can distract you is to bring you validation from somebody that is not grounded in god so that by the time they now make an obvious mistake you start to question your validation it's so silly but a lot of us fall for it so say for example you meet a person and see what you're doing and they're like oh wow fantastic work amazing job and then um two months down the line you find out that they sexual abusers or that they hit their spouse <laughs> then you start to question their faith then you start to question their validation of your work then you start to question whether your work is actually grounded in God you have forgotten that in the beginning yeah, it was God that told you to do the work so it's the reason why we have to be guarded about who vali- whose validation we take to heart but even so, you must not put that validation over what God has said to you. Like, it's a nice to have, but it is not the end or be all. Do you understand? Alright, let us keep going. There are quite a number of gems in Galatians chapter 2. And I don't want us to waste any of your time. Where were we? Okay, so Paul was talking about how when he met the apostles, they did not even demand that Titus should be circumcised, even though Titus was a Gentile. Verse 4. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones, really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and follow us to follow, force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. I really love that this is in the Bible. Instead, they saw that God had given me responsibility for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who walked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also walked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. Hidden gems in this part. Hidden gems. So let's try and take some of them out. Number one. The way we treat people that we think are different from us can make or mar their faith. Paul was writing to the Galatians several years after this incident. And yet he remembered that some people did not insist that his gentile companion must circumcise must be circumcised for them to relate with. 
and we might say oh it's Paul it doesn't really matter but it does it matters when you treat the member the people that attend your church or that visit your church but that they are disabled it matters when you treat them with kindness and you go out of your way to make sure that they're included in service to you is no big deal because you don't need that um, inclusion and inclusion is a very tricky thing to navigate but they will remember they will go away and they will remember that I went to this church and I did not have to suffer the indignity of needing somebody to carry me in because I could just wheel my wheelchair inside of course the goal is that they come to Christ and in God's presence they get healed right that is our desire as whole people and I will say this if you're in perfect health thank God for the gift of perfect health thank God for the gift of perfect health but there are some whose health is not perfect who need aids who need support and if in our zeal to show that we can demonstrate for example the gift of healing we do not make room for them to even come in and feel accepted as they are it is not likely that their hearts will be open to receive that healing in the first place even if it was god's will and intention for them to be healed in that particular service so it's in the little things you are projecting scriptures in church is it readable or is the contrast so bad that somebody with um, not so clear vision will not be able to pick out the words? Is your sound clear or is it muffled that somebody with auditory processing disorder is unable to keep up with the worship songs? Is your church accessible? Will somebody sprint? And sometimes we think about it in extremes. Just think about it. Somebody who is walking in with crutches, they get to your church, they look at the stairs, there's no option, they turn back, they go back home. The chance they would have had to meet Jesus that day will take any from them. And it's, I, I don't know why I'm going this direction because typically we don't talk about churches, right? But sometimes we need to, and that is church as an organization. So let's talk about ourselves as um, individuals. You meet somebody who is disabled and you treat them with condescension. You are unable to see that they are, they are a person behind the disability and you just treat them anyway, anyhow. You look down on them, you talk about them behind their back, you laugh behind their back. And then you come back and you come to their phone and you say, Jesus loves you. They don't believe you. In case you were thinking that they did, they don't. Why? You're not showing that Jesus loves them. You're claiming that you are a representation of Jesus, but that's how you treat them. Jesus didn't say, oh, sick people cannot approach me until they are healed. People brought their sick to Jesus. And as they were in Jesus' presence, they were healed. Some of them needed him to lay hands on them. But it was their being in Jesus' presence that triggered their healing. It's not their coming. So if we're busy gatekeeping God's presence because we feel it should only be accessible by a certain people, 
set of people and i'm using this example because we do not exactly face in this outside of the world unless you're living in israel we do not exactly face that discrimination where they say oh jew versus gentile but some of us will discriminate against people by the color of their skin and no white people are not the only people that can be racist some of the the most racist people that i have seen in my life are black yeah um some of us dis- will discriminate by tribe in fact some will even discriminate by town you are the same tribe as a person but the fact that they are from a particular town you have decided that they can never be good enough as a christian for you and you start to lay the law unless you do xyz i cannot accept you as my brother in christ someone that jesus died for what a wow but let's not go too deep into that i want to believe that you have gotten the gist every time somebody encounters you remember that they are encountering jesus and if you bury jesus too deep behind your own biases and your personality and your personal preferences and cultural ideologies that is how they will see jesus that is how they will judge jesus and if they turn away because of it quite all right it is their soul that is lost eternally but god will ask you what gave you the audacity to stand and cover a sacrifice that he himself made hallelujah may god help us where were we okay i've talked about the fact that um people remember how you treat them so we need to be like christ no discrimination no legalism no extra laws or demands and then we should not hide our biases in god said ah yes this one one of these days we'll break that table and we'll shatter it totally a person you you look at a person and something about them makes you uncomfortable and instead of you to look inward and wonder why you are uncomfortable and deal with it from inside you face them and then you start to say things to them and say god said god when you know that god did not say sometimes we conflate cultural preferences for righteousness ah the standard of righteousness has remained the same now it's bought by jesus blood don't see let people come to god without stumbling over you there is this song that i i I used to like so much as a teenager um jesus friend of sinners i think it was by casting home if the world is on their way to jesus they should not be tripping over you don't be the stumbling block don't you don't want to do that you don't want to do that right now another thing we can find from this part of scripture that we've read so far is that god calls each of us for different reasons and to different places so stay in your place of assignment where he asks you to stay stay there what he asks you to do do it is you you are the one thinking oh we're in competition arrival no the work is plenty to touch everybody you want to walk see there's this thing we used to say in there's this thing we used to say in my circle of friends i i don't remember who said it but we say that's yoruba what it means is god is there work to do and there's always work to do always jesus looked at it and said ah 
the fields are white with the harvest but the laborers are few pray to the lord of the harvest to send laborers so no matter who comes into the faith today there's work for them to do they are not competitors you cannot do their work they cannot do your work so face your own and run your race let people come to god let people do what they're supposed to do without needing them to conform to your template and your own preconceived standard allow them to express what god is asking them to do without needing to filter it through you and your lens of approval and acceptability and then another one final point that i'm picking from this part that we've read so far is that some people around us need material help and it's not a new problem it's not a new problem from the time of the law god has been stipulating for the weak among you for the widow among you for the poor among you for the needy among you for the there will be people that need our help you cannot be the richest there will be people that need our help and as much as possible don't hesitate to give when you can don't hesitate to give when you can amen let's go back to scripture from verse 11 but when peter came to antioch i had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong when he first arrived he ate with the gentile believers who were not circumcised but afterwards when some friends of james came peter wouldn't eat with the gentiles anymore he was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision as a result other believers followed peter's hypocrisy and even barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy when i saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message i said to peter in front of all the others since you a jew by birth have discarded the jewish laws and are living like a gentile why are you now trying to make these gentiles follow the jewish tradition let me put this in context for you because they have come to christ and they have accepted they have accepted jesus sacrifice on the cross it meant that they were no longer doing all those you know all the jewish um, sacrifices now burnt offering in the morning wave offering in the evening um, sin offering every time they sin the yearly atonement this one that one they were no longer doing that so it looked like to a casual observer for a judaism practitioner for example it looked like they had abandoned the law and judaism in 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 general right so that's what um, paul was saying here from verse 15 it says you and i are jews by birth not sinners like the gentiles yes we know that a person is made right with god by faith in jesus christ not by obeying the law and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? It's not possible. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law that I already tore down. For when I try to keep the law, 
It condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I may live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ which lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. You have to stay authentic and true to God's words and principles. Peer pressure is very silly. Very, very silly. But you need to know that it is not follow, it, it is not following the rules like letter by letter, dot by dot. That's not what saves you from sin. What saves you from sin is acknowledging Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That is what saves you from sin. Morality can never save you. And it is not by works. Save, being saved is by grace. It is always by grace. So you need to know and accept that grace is enough. Your faith is in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He paid for your sins in full. If you all who has sins, paid in full. Hadassah's sins paid in full. Didi's sins paid in full. Whatever. Mention your name. Paid in full. So tell yourself that grace is enough. It's not by the things you do. Grace is enough. And it is from this place you can then start to withstand peer pressure, societal pressure, family pressure, this pressure, that pressure. You need to know, like, allow it to sink into your head. His blood is enough. We don't need an extra safety net of, oh, let me also sacrifice or let me also observe this ordinance. In hopes that maybe peradventure if the blood fails, the blood cannot fail. It is the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It cannot fail. The moment we start to have alternative to the blood, it means that we no longer believe in the blood. So you can't have an alternative. By grace, you are saved through faith. And that is our reality. That is what brings us, like joins us to God's family. That's what makes us his children. Like we said in the last episode, for as many, John chapter 1, as many as believe in him, to them he has given power to become sons of God. He didn't say as many as believe in him and there was no and, there was no other um, um, there was no other condition. That's the only criteria. Your belief, your faith. May God help us in Jesus' name. Have a lovely day. See you in the next episode as we look at